Good morning. morning. Happy Sabbath. It's a beautiful day out, and I'm so happy to see spring flowers, and I'm so happy to see each and every one of you here. I'm just going to make sure this is working. It is working. It's working this time. (laughs) It was so stressful last time. I'm so glad it's working. Shall we kneel for just a quick word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to ask that your spirit be here today, Lord. I ask that your spirit be upon me and give me clear thought and clear speech. I ask you to be upon your people, Lord, and give them also clear discernment, Lord. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for dying on the cross for us and resurrecting for us. And we just love you. And it's such a pleasure to be with your people on your holy day. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Eskia and sister. That song was beautiful. I almost started to cry. <laughs> it was so beautiful. <laughs> I think of my, the loved ones that we've lost when I hear that, and it just it breaks my heart. So today, uh, our sermon title is "Where Are We Right Now on the Prophetic Timeline Before Jesus Comes." I thought that would be interesting to know where we are, and can we know it? We can know it. We can know it. In my last sermon, uh, I did a sermon called The Time of the End. And in that last sermon, we learned that the time of the end didn't even begin until 1798. Before 1798, it wasn't the time of the end. The time of the end began in 1798. And we studied that in the Bible, and we studied that in the Spirit of Prophecy, So we know of a certainty that that prophecy of the 1,260 days is true. So I don't have time to repeat that sermon together uh, today, but if you go on our church archive, you can find that there, and you can learn the 1,260-day prophecy. It's also referred as the 42 months, and the times, time, half a times. I'm sure as Adventists, we're all familiar with that. It's worth studying. Because it lets us know that we are living in the time of the end. And I, and I showed this because Jesus could not come back until the time of the end because of the prophecies that Daniel said that Jesus would come back then. And, in, and the prophecies are God's own work. So God himself has said himself that he's not coming back in time, until the time of the end. And the reason why I gave that sermon... Because it's been over 2,000 years, or around 2,000 years since Jesus ascended to heaven. And we as Christians could come, become very discouraged as we see our loved ones come and go and pass from this earth. And it's, we've been an Adventist for a long time. When I first became an Adventist, I was 27 years old, and I'll be 64 this year, and the Lord has not come. And sometimes some of us could even wonder, have we believed commonly devised fables? But I want to assure you today, brothers and sisters, that we have not. And that we can know where we are in the last days on God's prophetic timeline. As Second Peter tells us in chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, There shall come in the last days scoffers, as our brother had said, I'm just going to read part of it, saying, Where is the promise of his coming? Referring to the second coming of Jesus. For since the fathers have all fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Now, that was even in Peter's day. They were scoffing and doubting whether Jesus would actually come back 
as he said that he would. And when you think about it, just for a moment, when Peter wrote this, was, was Peter living in the last days? No, he wasn't, right? Because the last days didn't even start until 1798. And so Peter goes on to say in 2 Peter chapter 2, For we have not followed commonly devised fables, when we were made, when we made note unto you the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is referring to his first coming. We also have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place unto the day dawn and the day star rise in your heart. That's Jesus' second coming. How do we know? By God's sure word of prophecy. That's how we know. All the prophecies gave all the details to when Jesus would come the first time. And all the prophecies are going to give us all the details before he comes the second time. Amen? Amen. So my hope is here today is to encourage you to not despair. Jesus has not forget, forgotten you. He's not forgetting us. The end time prophecies are all fulfilling just as they were supposed to happen. In the time they were to happen. In the year they were supposed to happen. God has given us prophetic signs so that we can see where we are on the prophetic timeline before Jesus comes back. And I think it's a fascinating subject, and I think we should know where we're at. Whenever I go on a trip or you go on a trip, we follow signs that lead us to our destination. And it is by these same signs, these road signs, that we actually learn how near we are to our destination, right? Well, the prophetic events are like signs as well, except they are prophetic signs, and they tell us how near we are until Jesus returns. Today we're going to look at God's sure word of prophecy, and we're going to look at these prophetic signs, and we're going to see where we are before Jesus comes back. In my last sermon, uh, the time of the end, and I showed that the time of the end didn't begin until 1798, I started this prophetic timeline. And I said they were going to complete it the next time that I spoke. So just a refresher. We started off the, the timeline with the Ten Kingdoms divided pagan Rome, which happened was in 476. That's when the Iron Leg, Rome, divided into Ten Kingdoms. And then in 538, uh, the papacy or papal Rome or pagan Rome turned over pagan Rome to the papacy and it became papal Rome. And at that time... God's people were given in the hands of papal Rome. And thus began the beginning of the 1,260 year prophecy. Which ended in 1798 when the Pope was taken captive by uh, General Barthier. And during that time, the 1,260 years is known as the time of trouble. It's also known as the dark ages that we're well familiar with. And God's people went through a horrible time. Now some people, I mentioned it last time, but just in case you weren't here... There's, when people think of this time of trouble, they think that there's a time of trouble when Jesus comes back in the mark of the beast. Well, there is. There's two times of trouble. The second time of trouble is known as the time of Jacob's trouble, and it's also known as the time of trouble. But there's two times of trouble, okay? I just want to point that out. So, the Bible says that there's another prophetic sign that will, that will appear. The Bible says that God shortened the persecution of God's people uh, by papal Rome during the 1,260 years. In this time of trouble, the Bible said that if God did not shorten his time, that's within that 1,260 years, 
God's people would have all been destroyed. Now, I don't have to tell you or remind you how horrific the Dark Ages were. I mean, they were boiled, flayed, stretched, hung, drowned, you name it. They did everything to God's people. It was horrendous. They were used as torchlights at night, covered with pitch, fed to the lions. It was a horrendous, horrendous time, in which God said that time will never be repeated. That time will never be repeated again. And because of the horrendousness, God cut short the time. And here's a statement in the spirit of prophecy. The period of the 1260-year tribulation, God in mercy to his people cut short the time of their fiery trial. In foretelling the great tribulation to befall the church, the Savior said, Except those days should be shortened, there shall no flesh be saved. But for the elect's, for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. And that's found in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 22. Through the influence of the Reformation, the persecution was brought to an end. Notice what she says. What? Prior to 1798. The 1260 days or years terminated in 1798 when the Pope was taken captive. I don't want you to get confused. But of a quarter of a century earlier during that persecution, God ceased the persecution in order to preserve his own people. And you can find that in the Great Controversy, page 306, 1888 edition. Again, for emphasis, I don't want to get you confused here. The 1260 years terminated in 1798, just as the Bible said it would. But the persecution of God's people ended 25 years earlier, as Ellen White says, prior to 1798. And you find that in Great Controversy, page 266. And you might be wondering why all this is important. It's important because when you understand that the persecution ended prior to 1798, between these two dates, 25 years earlier would bring us to about 1773, okay? Prior to 1798. So between these two dates, 1773 and 1798, we're told this. When you understand this, then you can understand and see another prophetic event Another a prophetic sign, if you will, called the darkness of days that's found in Mark chapter 13 and verse 24. And it reads, And except the Lord had shortened those days, the 1260-year tribulation, no flesh would have been saved. But in those days, after the tribulation, which was cut short, so right after the tribulation, between 1773 and 1798, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon should not give her light. And then he goes on to say, The stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. So are you with me? That means the darkness of days had to happen between 1773 and 1798, according to Scripture. Did it happen? Yep. It happened exactly as the sure word of prophecy said that it would. Let's t I'm going to read a statement from the Spirit of Prophecy. He, Jesus, thus mentioned certain events to precede, that is, before his coming, a fixed, and he fixed the time when the first of these should be witnessed. In those days, after the tribulation, right between those two dates, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light, found in Mark chapter 13 and verse 24. A year, a year terminated in 1798, a quarter century earlier. Persecution had almost wholly ceased. Between these two dates, 1773 and 1798, according to the word of Christ, 
the sun was to be darkened. Did it happen? It did. On the 19th of May, 1780, between those two dates, the prophecy was fulfilled. Almost, if not altogether alone, is one of the most mysterious and yet unexplained phenomenon of its kind. Stands the dark day of May 19th, 1780. You'll find that in Great Controversy, 1888 edition, 305 and 306. So it happened. This was a prophetic sign that was going to happen. And this prophetic sign was to happen when? Preceding the coming of the Lord. So we know this was a sign that had to be fulfilled. So I've added the dark days between the between 1773 and 1798 is one of the prophetic signs that we would expect to see before the Lord's coming. And then, of course, the prophecy was fulfilled. The, the 1260 days ended when the papacy was taken captive in 1798. And then, sure, that's where we're at in our timeline. And this is what the spirit of prophecy has to say about the darkness of days. Because when you look at history now, you get all kinds of scientists say, well, there was a volcano that went off and kind of blocked the sun out. And you hear all this nonsense. But here's what Ellen White says. The darkness of day was not due to an eclipse. It is evident from the fact that the moon was then nearly full, but it did not give its light. It was not caused by clouds or the thickness of the atmosphere. Concerning the inability of science to assign a satisfactory cause for this manifestation, the dark day was one of those wonderful phenomena of nature which philosophy is at a loss to explain. God had instituted the dark days as a sign, and it happened exactly when God said it would happen, immediately after the tribulation of that time. Amen? Then Christ tells us in the very next verse in Mark chapter 13, 25, and then the stars of heaven shall fall. The very next service that Jesus suggested, the falling of the stars would happen after the dark days. Because Jesus first talks about the dark days. He says it will happen after the tribulation. He says, and then you'll see the falling of the stars. And I find it fascinating that it happened just as the sure word of prophecy said, it happened exactly as Jesus would happen. He said it would happen. And the stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. Mark chapter 13, 25. And this happened, just as scripture said it would happen, on November 13, 1833, which was after the dark days. And this happened after the tribulation, as Christ said. So there's another prophetic sign that we would expect to see before Jesus comes back. And that happened in 1833. So you see, Jesus could not come back before 1833 because these were all prophetic signs that would tell us that these things would happen before his coming. Isn't this fascinating? I find it super fascinating. So we shouldn't be discouraged, friends, that the Lord isn't coming back yet. The Lord wasn't going to come back until he couldn't come back to these prophetic signs are fulfilled. And then we're told of another prophetic sign that would happen before Jesus returns. And it's referred as the 2300-day prophecy or the 20, the two, the, unto 2300 days we know that days represents what? A year prophetically. So we're talking about the 2300-day prophecy as talked about in Daniel as the cleansing of the sanctuary. And, of course, I don't have time to break that down. I know that I'm preaching to the choir. I know that you're already familiar with it. 
And you're already familiar that each day represents a year. According to the prophet Ezekiel, I have appointed each day for a year, Ezekiel 4, 6. So we have the 2300-day, the 2300-day prophecy, which talks about the cleansing of the sanctuary that was going to happen. And it's a judgment. That's what God is referring to, is a judgment, and which God's people, his church, are to be judged, to be either eternally saved or to be eternally lost. And, it does, and it, it does not all happen on one day. The judgment just doesn't happen on one day and it's over. It was the beginning of the judgment that happened in, in, on that day when the, in 1844. On that day, it was the beginning. We're told this. In the beginning of the 2300-year prophecy, just in case you're not familiar with it, it started in 450 B.C., with the decree to rebuild Jerusalem. If you study the Bible, it says this was the beginning of the 2300-day prophecy. Uh, and that actually happened on the fall, not in January. It happened in October. And if you go a year, you have the next from October to October and October to October. And you go 2300 years into the future. And guess what year do you come to? You come to the fall, October 1844. And that's when this... This prophecy, this prophetic sign happened. This is what Ellen White has to say on this. I saw that day the Millerites were correct in reckoning of the prophetic periods. Prophetic time closed in 1844, meaning this was the last time prophecy where you had a beginning and an end of a prophecy. You understand what I'm saying? It doesn't say there weren't going to be more prophetic signs. It just says this is the last time prophecy where you had a beginning and an end. We are told in scripture that the judgment would not begin until the end of, of days. And I want to go back because I missed something. And Jesus entered the most holy place, I'm quoting the spirit of prophecy, to cleanse the sanctuary at what? The ending of days. It doesn't make a difference when you say ending of days or time of the end. They're synonymous terms. The Bible used both of them. It's talking about the same time that happened from 1798 onward. So even the spirit of prophecy makes it clear that this would happen in the time of the end or the ending of days. In 1844, did it happen during the time of the end? It sure did. It happened exactly as the Bible says it would and the spirit of prophecy says. In Revelation chapter 14, the message of this chapter, uh, again I'm quoting the spirit of prophecy, the messages of this chapter constitutes a threefold warning. We know that's the three angels' messages which is to pair the inhabitants of the earth for the Lord's second coming. Again, this had to happen before the Lord comes back. Therefore, this must happen before the Lord returns. The announcement, the hour of his judgment as comes, points to the closing work of Christ's ministration for the salvation of men. The work of judgment which began, not ended, but began in 1844, must continue until all the cases of all are decided both of the living and the dead. Hence, it will extend to the close of human probation. That's found in Great Controversy, 435, 1888. So it's my point. Jesus could not come back before 1844. Amen? Amen. It's another prophetic sign, though, that tells us how close we are to Jesus' return. And some people might think, well, you know, that's as far as you can go. Oh, no. Oh, no, we, we can go farther. Believe me, we can go farther. And if you think about it, 1844 really wasn't that long ago. It really wasn't. My great-grandfather, 
uh, was born right around that time. I think he was born in 1865. So what's our next prophetic sign? What will be fulfilled next? Are there anything others after 1844? And of course there is. And the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, another prophetic event, Revelation 13 and verse 3. And John said, I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. And I saw one of his heads as it was wounded to death. And it says, what? And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Now, I don't have to tell you who this beast is, because you already know. I know I'm preaching to the choir. And we studied it last time in the time of the end. We made it absolutely clear there's no question about who this beast is. It's papal Rome. And we are told that the papal Rome will receive a deadly wound. And that happened in 1798 when Barthier, that was the end of the 1,206-year prophecy. that papacy received a deadly wound. The papacy, the Pope went into captive, he ended up dying, and they were off the scene for quite a while. But then we're also told there in Revelation 13.3 that his wound would be healed. Did anything like that happen? It did. On December 7th, 1929, it was written in the San Francisco Chronicle, The Healing of the Wound. In 1929, Prime Minister Benito Mussolini and Cardinal uh, Beatro Gasaperi, I hope I'm pronouncing it the best I can, signed an accord whereby the Pope had to pledge his own political party support to Mussolini in exchange for the return of the papal seat in power. This was all during the time uh, with Germany. Even at that point, people understood the significance of what had happened from on, on 1929 and onward. The political of the Vatican was what? It was reinstated. So there was a healing of the wound. And what year was it? 1929. Are you aware that Ellen White didn't even get to see that event? Ellen White sadly passed away July 16, 1915. Ellen White herself didn't see this, but she preached about it. She said it would happen. The Bible said it would happen. And it happened. Is it fully healed? No, but the beginning of it definitely started. That was a major prophetic sign before Jesus would come back. And when people room was completely healed, we're told in the Bible, in the spirit of prophecy, that the papacy will then again return to persecuting God's people. No surprise there, right? Who was the, who was the empire in charge when they sought to kill baby Jesus as soon as he was born? Rome. Who was the power in, in charge when Jesus was crucified on the cross? Rome. And when papal Rome took over, who was persecuting God's people? Rome. Is there any surprise that it's Rome in the end that would be persecuting God's people? So what happened in December 1729 was a major prophetic sign as to where we are on the prophetic timeline before Jesus comes back. So I added that, 1929. Now, 1929 wasn't that long ago. I was born in 1959. Just less than 30 years before I was born, this event took place. It's not that long ago. And what's interesting that Jesus could not and would not come back by his own word on these prophetic signs, these events took place. Amen? So where are we right now on the prophetic timeline? And... 
I'm going to show you where we are, but I have to first take you ahead of where we are. I have to show you prophetic signs and uh, prophetic events in the sure word of prophecy which says these things are going to happen in order for you to understand where we are. Of course, we uh, Seventh-day Adventist people know that the mark of the beast is Sunday observant. Papacy, Papal Rome, claims it themselves that it's their own mark of authority. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. The Bible says, clear, there is a time coming in which we will not be able to buy or sell. Right? Uh, and, and, and has this happened yet? No, it hasn't happened yet, has it? The Bible also talks about there's a time where there'll be a close of probation. It's found in Revelation 22 and 11. The Bible says that uh, when Jesus stands up, when, the, when all the cases have been decided, who's going to be eternally saved, who's going to be eternally lost, Jesus stands up, probation is closed, and Jesus says, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And then it's over. Right? Has probation happened? Did Jesus stand up yet? You know how we know? Because the Bible tells us that he saw another sign in heaven. Notice what the Bible says. I saw another sign in heaven. An angel having seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. That's found in Revelation 15.1. Do you know when this happens? Does it happen before the close of probation or after? After. It happens after the close of probation. I just want to go over some of the of these plagues that are going to happen. Grievous sores upon men. This is found in the book of Revelation, okay? Revelation 16. Grievous sores upon men, which had the mark of the beast. Well, that hasn't happened yet, but the sea become as blood, and everything died. Everything died. There was nothing alive left. Rivers and fountain became as blood. Sun scorched men with fire. And the beast kingdom, we're talking about the papacy, uh, had much pain at that, at that time. And the Euphrates River dried up. And a great voice of heaven from the throne saying, It is what? It's done. Has that happened yet? It has not happened yet. And we know, as we just talked about, that we know that at, once Jesus stands up, and all the cases are to be decided, then the seven plagues happen after that time. So when you see the seven last plagues, we know what? Probation is over. It's done. Wherever you are is where you are. You're either saved or you're lost. And I will say this, if, you're, if all of a sudden you're scorched with fire and you got sores all over you and a lot of pain, I, I, I can, you can safely bet uh, you're not going to heaven at that time. Amen? I mean, God has made it absolutely clear on that day who's who. Of course, the answer to all, that all these things have not happened. But I will tell you right now where we are in the prophetic timeline. We are on the prophetic timeline where before all these events are about to happen. I call it we're in the stage where the stage is being set for the last prophetic signs which are going to happen very rapidly. That's where we are. As you can see, not being able to buy or sell. I send the law. Michael stands up. Last plagues. Death decree. Second coming of Christ. And of course, there's other things I could have added. The time of Jacob's trouble, Satan impersonating Christ. We can go on. There's quite a few other ones. But those are the major signs that you're going to expect to see from this day going forward. In the future, expect to see these signs 
Just as God has given us all those other signs, if we would have lived in the dark days, we'd be saying, hey, brothers and sisters, guess what? The falling of the stars are going to happen next. And that there's going to be a 2300-day prophecy in which a judgment's going to begin in the future. And there's going to be a beast power, and his wound is going to be healed. We could have been preaching that then, but we can't. Those things have already happened. We're just looking back. Those prophetic signs have all happened in the order in which God said they would happen. And they were also told these prophetic signs are out ahead of us. So again, let's talk a little bit more about where we are. Before you have a time when you will not be able to buy or sell, you have to admit there will first be a new monetary system put in place that will keep you from being able to buy or sell. Amen? Yeah. I mean, they're not going to just wake up one day. Guess what? Greg, you can't buy or sell no more. When you go like, I got my money right here. I can still buy it. No, there has to be a system put in place where you're not going to be able to buy or sell. And before there can be a Sunday law, there's going to be campaigning by the beast for a Sunday law. Amen? It only makes sense. You're going to have those things first. Are any of those things happening? Well, here's the question I have for you today. Again, is there any talk of implementing a new monetary system? I'm talking about right now, right today. And being able to keep you from being able to buy or sell. And has the people of Rome already been campaigning for a Sunday law? Oh, yeah. Both of those things are happening right now. <clears throat> Have you heard about the new reset currency, which is about to be implemented worldwide? It's called the CBDC currency. That stands for the Central Bank Digital Currency. Google it. Look it up. Watch the news. You'll hear that term, CBDC. You're going to hear the term called the Fed Now. Uh, it's a new system they want to implement this July, which all your money system, everything will get paid for Fed Now. And eventually, it'll come out to the CBDC. And the CBDC is a currency that is digital. It's digital. They can turn it off, and they can turn it off. If they don't like what you're doing, they don't like what you're saying, they can just shut it off, and guess what? You can't buy or sell. You can't pay your mortgage. You can't buy groceries. You can't put gas in your car. You can't do anything, just as the Bible said. The Bible says that Satan will cause a system to be put in place to make your life so miserable if you don't accept his Sunday observance. Eventually, I know it sounds crazy, but if I've been in back in the, in the days before the darkness of the day and I told you, listen, brothers and sisters, the moon is going to be as red and there's going to be a dark day that you can't even read your newspaper outside, you'd have thought I was nuts. But it happened. If I'd have told you there's going to be a falling of stars, not the Leonoid showers. Some people, oh, that was the Leonoid showers. That wasn't the Leonoid showers. There were so many stars coming down, and they were able to go out there in a newspaper in the middle of the night and read their newspaper, read the history on it. It was God's event. It was a major prophetic sign. I want to play this for you about what I'm telling you about the CBDC and the Fed now. Remember those two terms. Because you're, you're hearing it on your news. You may not know what they're talking about. But I want you to... <laughs> Any way I can get volume on that? Probably not. If I can't, it's okay. We can't get volume with that. It's okay. It doesn't matter. I was just going to show you something uh, that is on YouTube. That Oh, that's... Well, it wouldn't play on this, though. Yeah, it, but it wouldn't play on this. Oh. So if I hit it... 
At home, it plays. I'll probably have to unplug it. Well, nope. Yeah. No. Let me do this. Maybe it will work. We'll see. I'll give it a shot, and if it doesn't, it's not imperative that this doesn't. If this doesn't work, oops. Uh, okay, thank you. Let me see here. No. Oh, there it is. Okay, it's not imperative. It's not important. The point is, you just Google it. Just go on YouTube. Type in FedNow. Type in CBDC, and you'll find it. Or just watch the news. You will. And then you have the papacy, which is already campaigning for a Sabbath rest observance, and that started in 2015. And it's not just in the United States. It's a campaign all over the world. I could spend a whole sermon just on this topic alone. This is their own uh, writings. Uh, Ludato C. 237 Sunday. Uh, this was posted in 2016. Uh, this is found in the Catholic Sensibilities. This is their own writings. On Sunday, our participation in the Eucharist, that's the Mass, was of special importance Sunday. Like the Jewish Sabbath is meant to be a date which heals our relationship with God, with ourselves and with others, and with the world. Sunday is the day of the resurrection, the first day of, of the new creation. Sunday, Sabbath rest, the law of weekly rest forbade work on the seventh day, so that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and the son of your maidservant and your stranger may be refreshed. Sunday, rest opens our eyes to a larger picture and gives us renewed sensitivity uh, to the rights of others. And so the day of rest, centered on the Eucharist, Sunday Mass, sheds its light on the whole week and motivates us to a greater concern for nature and the poor. So the papacy is using uh, the economy, the uh, global warming, uh, the destruction of the earth as a push for a Sunday observance. Uh, Sunday observance. So this is definitely another major prophetic sign. So you have both of those things going on right now. So as you can see, the stage is being set. I couldn't put the monetary system where we're at right now because it hasn't been in place yet. But brothers and sisters, it is happening right now. Our monetary system is crashing. The American dollar is dead. Just watch the news. It was going to happen. It was meant to happen. It was planned to happen. And, there, and it's going to cause such a crisis in this country that it's going to force us. You know, there, and if you'd listen to the video that I had, she said it's already 114 countries have already are implementing the same thing. And some countries are, have already started it. 114 countries. Not just here. It's happening all over the world. Brothers, that's where we are. That's how close we are to Jesus' return. Sunday laws are being propagated all over the world. But before he can really get that, he's got to get one more thing. He's got to get you around your throat. And he's going to do that financially by causing you not to be able to buy yourself. And this may not happen all instantaneously, of course. Of course, he's going to woo you into the system. You're going to think this is all wonderful. And then they start tightening around, around your throat. I can tell you on the media, as Americans, Americans are absolutely in shock 
that, they would, uh, that there would be a system put in place that would take away your freedom and your privacy. They will know everything you purchase. You purchase Walter Bay videos? Eh, we don't like that so much. You know? And they'll punish you. The point is, everything that we have learned today is all rapidly fulfilling, right on time, when God said it would. God has given us his sure word of prophecy, brothers and sisters, in these signs, so we can know assuredly where we are on God's prophetic timeline. And by taking note of prophetic signs that are happening, and that have already happened, we know where we are. Jesus is coming soon, and we'll be going home. Jesus said in regards to that day in which he returns, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but my Father alone. Does the Father alone know the day and hour in which Jesus is going to return? Absolutely. Scripture just says it. He absolutely knows. The Bible is clear. At the time appointed, the end will be, though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. And that's in Habakkuk 2.3. We're almost home. Hang in there just a little longer. Amen. Amen.